Please, re please repeat after me. Seed. Come on, let's say it together. Seed. Water. Fields. Say it one more time, please. Seed. Water. Fields. Those three things, keep them in your heart this morning. Everything in life that's given is given in seed form. Everything. Whether it's an idea, whether it's crops for the ground, whether it was trees, whatever it was, God gave everything in seed form. Amen? Would you agree? Every invention lies in seed form. Without water, nothing will grow. Nothing survives without water. That's why God gave us so much water. And in Manchester, he knows we need more water than the average city. So he gave us more water than anybody else. Amen? How do you know you're in the summer in Manchester? Because the rain is warmer. That's how you know you're in a summer period in Manchester. So every breakthrough, every invention is in seed form. Without watering, nothing grows. Without fields, we have no areas of expertise. Think a little bit wider now. Without fields, we have no areas of expertise. We have no territories to excel in. We have no areas to be developed in without fields. And without no fields, we no seed, no water. What use are gifts? Fields are important. Seed is important for you to utilize your gifts, your talents, your skills and abilities. Yes, without a field. Some of you, if, if we have a doctor, a doctor is in the field of medicine. He's using, she's using their gifts, skill, ability in medicine in that field. Yes? But they did something with their seed. They watered that seed. They entered a field with that seed and they became professional in that field. Does that make sense? I don't want you to see fields as green. I want you to see fields as areas of expertise. There's a saying and a term you've probably heard of and it's used by, or it can refer to catalysts, innovators, business leaders, entrepreneurs. And you've often heard people say, people who have made great accomplishments in their lives or in their fields, they say that they are the movers and the shakers. The movers and the shakers are those who, with their seed, watered that seed and entered into a field of expertise. That's why they became the mover and shaker in their field of expertise or in their sphere of influence. Now, not everybody is an entrepreneur. Not everybody is, is, is a doctor. That's irrelevant. The issue is you can be a mover and a shaker in your field, providing you do something with your seed and providing you find a field. Hello, good morning, church. You need a field. You need a field so that you can 
so that you can exercise your gift, talent, skills and abilities. That's why, we, that's why God gives man that thing called work. In the work field, it's where you feel, like you are, feel that you are being utilized as well as getting well paid. Because there's nothing like an unfulfilled job. Even though it's just paying you money, if you're not fulfilled, you need to find another field. Because money's not the sign. Money's not just the sign. Fulfillment, satisfaction. Yes. You know, there's many pastors who are pastoring big churches. A lot more than this. They're getting well paid. But they're unfulfilled. So what do you do? Does he need a bigger church to fulfill him? No, he just needs to find something that's right. Something's wrong inside it of them. Maybe they're not watered the seed. So these movers and shakers are people who have given their life, their initiative, their creativity, their gifts and their abilities, some responsibility along the way. They've put them to work. They've watered the seed and they become diligent in what? they felt on the inside was growing. Yes? So when you raise your children, we ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? Now, many children don't hold on to what they initially say. But as, as they go through education, we try to spot what our children are good at. And as we analyze what they're good at, and we look at the gifts and the abilities, we try to steer them and put water on the seed so it will grow within them and that way we can steer them into certain directions certain fields true but we as a parent have got to keep watering that seed until they own it do you see this so when a young person is growing up they don't own it at this point you see it as the parent but and then as they begin to do well in that area, they begin to see the result of your stewardship and your encouragement, your water. And as they begin to see that what they're doing is actually what you're saying they can do, they then begin to own it. And it's at that point of ownership that now the, the transfer uh, transfers over to them and it becomes their responsibility. Hello? Because you can't be doing something because your mother and father told you. At some point, you have to take hold of this responsibility and do something with it. Hello? Last time I looked, my mother did not go to school for me. I had to go for me. Now, I never bought into that deal. It never sat well with me going to school, sitting there all day learning. But I paid the consequence afterwards because I realized I had a lot of catching up to do. Now, I wasn't stupid when I came out of school. It just wasn't bright. And there's a difference. And, but I never used it as an excuse to stop learning. I kept on learning. I just had to find my field so that I could keep on learning. Why? Because the seed was already there. But the, I was in the wrong field. And when I got in the right field, I began to water my seed. And as I began to water my seed, I began to find that there was things growing on the inside. And as things began to grow, I began to see that there was other fields I could step into. There wasn't just one field, there was other fields. Why? Because inside of me, God had planted seeds, plural, not just seed. 
Inside of me, God had planted fields, not just a field. But before you find your fields, plural, you have to find your field, single. Before you discover the seeds, plural, you have to understand that there is a seed, singular. And in that seed, there is multiple seeds. God has created you to do far more than you can think or imagine. So God has put more capacity and more potential inside of you than you could ever think or even imagine. So you imagine, just for one second, what your life looks like if a little bit of heaven's water can just fall on your ground. When heaven rains upon you, all of a sudden you begin to see things, you begin to see further, imagine more, see possibilities that you never thought existed. Why? Because heaven's water is something you've, like, it's water you've never tasted before. When heaven falls upon you, it opens your eyes. It opens your eyes to God's understanding. Because God created, he said, when he created everything, he stepped back and he said, it's good. So we we can work from that basis that what God created and put inside us is good. Now the voyage, the race is all about you discovering what God's put inside And it's knowing how to use it and where to use it. I said that so succinctly, we can all go home now. The race is all about you discovering what God has put inside. What did he say was good? That's mystery revealed. You now need to discover, I need to discover what that good seed is and what it looks like. And the more you water it, the more you realize, wow, it is flipping good. Now, the dictionary determines, uh, defines the term mover and shaker is the place or area of activity where people have the most power and influence. This is a mover and shaker. The place or area of activity. Activity is the key word. Where the people have the most power of influence. We influence and we all carry immense power. Do you realize that? We all can influence. We can all carry immense power. But when we learn to combine water, seed, and field together, how much more influential do you think we can be? Come on. Was Jesus Christ the seed? Was he the seed? Was he the divine seed that was planted in the earth? Yes. Right. Where did he drink from? The Father's well. He said, I I have food and drink you know nothing of. So he had a heavenly supply. So he was a seed on the ground. He fed and watered himself from heaven above. Where was his field? He came to Israel. And Israel turned the back on him. But where was the father's field? The world. The father's field was the world. The son was to Israel. Israel, Knowing that Israel would turn the back, he then turned to the Gentiles. Why? Because the father's heart was always for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So Jesus showed us how the divine seed, when it's watered, can have an amazing, amazing influence on the ground. There has been ne- there's not been a figure known to man who, uh, such as a mover and shaker like Jesus Christ. He's still moving and he's still shaking. All the other movers and shakers died. But this one I know, he's still moving and he's still shaking. 
He's shaking nations. He's shaking people. He's moving across nations and he's moving in people's hearts. Amen. He knows his area of activity and he wants you to know yours. What I like about a mover and a shaker is that the that they're a specific kind of human being. There are they are catalysts, they're initiators, they are innovators, they are people who won't sit on their blessed assurance, but they'll get up and do something with the word that's been planted inside of them. Because that's the only seed you've got is what God spoke. What God spoke. Now listen, here's the thing I've learned about what God spoke. What God spoke and what God is speaking are the same thing. What God spoke and what God is speaking are the same thing. So what he spoke, he is still speaking. And what he's speaking, he once spoke. You never catch God out. You'll never divide him. You say, it is a bit repetitive. He's got so much to say that one generation can't contain all that he's saying. I've learned this is that when God plants something inside of you based on what he spoke, if you take it seriously, it's a voyage. It's a journey. It's a journey. Little did I know the day I walked in here and told God I would never come back. What that entailed. Laughed at him thinking, you lot are a bunch of nutters. Well, I was right on that. But when I walked out that door going down the road, I thought, never going to come back. Little did I know that I'll be pastoring the church many years in the future. It's an amazing journey when God plants something in your heart. You wrestle with it for a period of time. But when you begin to water that seed, it's amazing what God does. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians, because I know you're dying to get there. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 4. Let's read this scripture. For when, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed. Paulus watered it. But God made it grow. See these three dimensions here. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. But only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose. And each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. In fact, you are God's field. God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. Wow. In this scripture, I want you to see some key things that's going on. We see people are debating which direction they should follow. Should I follow Paul? Should I follow Apollos? Should I follow Pastor Tony? Should I follow Paul or Phil? Should I follow this ministry? Should I follow that ministry? Where does the Lord want me to be? As if it's a real confusing question. And God doesn't know the answer. These boys, Apollos, listen, Apollos and Paul were the movers and shakers. 
You must understand, these two people were movers and shakers. Paul puts down some clarity on this whole subject. He says, the question is, for where one says, I follow Paul, another says, I follow Apollos, are you not my men? What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants. And there's this debate going on as to which one should we follow? And Paul, very clearly, he says, neither. This is not a popularity test. It's not about me. It's not about him. It's not about her. It's not about them. It's about him. And he begins to bring, but listen, why did he say that? Because he could see there was issues going on in the background. This was not about Paul or about Apollos. Do you know what it was about? It was about the carnality of their living. They were living as carnal people, calling themselves believers, but they had a different lifestyle, and yet they were looking for a reason to bring division. Read the context of what was going on. You won't find the context just in that scripture, but as you read the whole of that part of Corinthians, you'll see that there was envy, there was strife, there was jealousy, and there was quarreling. And they were using it as a reason to bring a wedge between Paul and Apollos. And Paul steps onto the scene and he begins to discern the spirit in the arena and says, boys, you're all out of order. You're all out of order. Sounding, trying to sound smart, they were actually divisive. The whole issue of the seed and the water and the field was potentially on the verge of being lost as a result of their carnal living. Think about this. The seed, the water, the field which was in that church was potentially about to be soiled. Why? Because of division. If they could bring division in, they could kill and contaminate the whole seed and the whole journey. And then the field would be contaminated for a long, long time. My friends, let me say this. We have many churches that derived from that very issue. Churches derived because Apollos and Paul, they couldn't handle him. They didn't like him, so the church split. So now that field is contaminated. So the seed is contaminated. So there's no water to make it grow. If you contaminate the seed, everything the seed produces is... Of course it is. It makes sense. Now, you may have found this, and and I've certainly found this, but it's amazing that whenever there is deterioration in a person, in a Christian's life, people focus on the faults of a church. You may have found that out. You may have been that person from time to time. And it's amazing. They don't only just find the faults of the church. They find the faults in the people of the church. And the classic one is, there's no love in this church. They've never loved anyone in their life. They've never visited anyone. They've never inquired of anyone in their life. But the moment they want to leave, they'll accuse you of doing the very thing they've never done. 
Now they think they're justified and right walking away. But what they don't realize is that they've just capped their own seed. So then they'll criticize or they'll criticize the organization of the church. They'll criticize the people. No, well, no one's talking to me. And listen, you can always find a way to disconnect. You can always find a way. Always find a way. And it's amazing when you sit down and tell people and you, and you try and remove the excuse, you realize that they've been exposed and somewhere down the line, they've got contaminated. Do you know I know this, don't you? Because I've had 20 odd years experience. People will always find a reason to emotionally, spiritually, psychologically disconnect from a group of people or a person should they see the need. There was no such indifference found in Paul Paul and Apollos. The seed was clear. And the reason why I'm saying this is because if you're going to run your race, your seed has to be kept pure, clean. And the only way it's kept clean and pure is when you keep watering it. When you water it, it has a way of cleansing the seed that God's put inside of your heart. Last week we heard about preparing your heart for the race. This is maybe part two of that. The seed has to be washed and cleansed time and time again. We read from James this morning, let every evil or moral, immoral thing in your life, get it out, get it cleansed, get it washed. So we see that what after all is Apollos? Good question. What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned each to his task. A servant will come and preach the gospel to you. You receive the word, that's the seed. Once you receive what that servant has taught you, told you, it now becomes your responsibility. And this is what most Christians don't like. The fact that they've now got, they're now culpable to look after their own individual spirituality. And they blame everybody else for not giving them what they themselves have been held responsible to do. Come on. Each individual has to be responsible for the seed that God gave them. I received the word with joy, with faith. Right, it's now your seed then. So the very spirit you receive the word in has to be kept. Yes? If I receive the word with gladness of heart and joy, then I must keep gladness and heart, sorry, gladness and joy in my heart. It's my job to keep it watered, cleansed and active. Amen? So, Ralph, can you just knock the video on, on, on the back? There's a video on the screen. Remember I told you the video? It's called, I'm a Normal Person. There ain't many of them, but this guy's telling us he is. I want you to watch this video called, I'm a Normal Person. Did you get the, the irony of that? How one, one way, when you read it first and you listen to him, it's a complete reverse of the second time he begins to recite what he's saying. Life has a way of telling us two stories. Your beginning 
your beginning and your experiences and your origin will tell its story like we read in the first half of this video. Yes? Many people experience this in the first half of their life. Yes? But yet, love changed everything. There was a seed that was planted, a seed that had been watered, and a field discovered that caused him to see life from a different angle. True? His whole life began to change as a result of Christ stepping in. Did you see that? When heaven's rain falls, it plants seeds. It plants seeds. God does the work. In the initial stages, God does the work. So the Bible tells us this, that the gift of faith, so the, the salvation that you've received came as a gift. You didn't work for salvation. How many of you believe that? You didn't do anything for salvation. All the work was done by Christ on Calvary's cross. But, though you, don't, though you do not work for salvation, your salvation requires you to work. Your salvation has given you a work. It's, in, it's made you employed. You're employed. So you wasn't saved. You didn't work to get salvation. Why? Because it was a free gift. And the gift of faith, which is the seed, was given to you as a gift of faith. So that you can't boast what you did. So this gift, this seed of, that was given to you, was given to you, it cost you nothing. But now you've received it and said, yes, he says, now take care of it. Because you don't know what's in that seed. Because in that seed, there are seeds. Now, the parable of the sower tells us the importance of the soil. It tells us the importance of the field. Because in that field, there are other things growing all around us. There are worries, there are strife, there are cares. There are all kinds of things in your life and my life potentially attacking that seed. Yes? I don't know about you, but how many came in with concern this morning? How many came in with worry? How many came in with anxiety? How many came in with sadness? How many came in with a, a, a checkered history? Well... I guarantee somewhere in the crowd will find those experiences. But, so, but in the midst of all those experiences is this little seed. The Bible calls this seed incorruptible. You know, you see, you can't destroy the seed. You can just destroy the environment around the seed. You can destroy the field you can destroy the soil, but you cannot destroy the seed. Why? Because it's incorruptible. God gave you a seed that it cannot be destroyed, but your own environment can, can contaminate your own seed. Do you understand this? That's why seed, water, and field are very, very key to us this morning. This man discovered his 
seed, he discovered that love changes his environment, but now he then began to work his seed and how his story began to change. His priorities changed. He thought money was more important than family. Success was more important than God. And then all of a sudden he begins to reverse. His perspective gets changed. And he begins to see that, no, actually, I had it upside down. I was living a selfish, sinful life. And then all of a sudden Christ comes in and I begin to see that life is much more than I ever thought or ever could imagine. But it doesn't stop life presenting you a lie. True? So in Mark chapter 10, let's come back, Mark chapter 10, and talking about blind Bartimaeus, they came to Jericho at Jesus and his disciple together with a large crowd were leaving the city and a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus and Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him, be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called him, they called to the blind man. And this is what he said, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. So throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the way. Now, what do you think was the, the key verse in the whole story? I believe it was key, it was verse 50 that says, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. But then he says this throwing aside, he jumped up to his feet. And he came to Jesus. So the word came. He responded. He jumped up. He changed his position. And he moved towards Jesus. The word came. He jumped up. It leapt in him. It had, it had grounds within him. How many times is the word coming to you and to me and it, when there's no leaping involved? We've learned to become cerebrally happy with what we're receiving. Well, when was the last time this word came to you and you jumped up out your seat and went, that's it, it's me. But we become so conditioned that I'll just let this word come into my mind. It's not going to get into my emotions because we're in church and we can't do that. I'm going to let this word come in and I'm just going to sit there. This man was blind. Just like many Christians are. And yet God heard the cry of a man. But listen, here's the key thing. It's coming to me now as I'm saying it. Some of us cry to God, but it's not the cry to bring change. You cry is you cry because you, you're angry. You cry because you're sad. You cry because you're frustrated. Anybody felt frustrated? Yeah, And your cry is, can be interpreted in many, many ways. But this was a man who, when he cried, it was a cry for change. It was a cry for change. 
So the first thing he had to do was throw his cloak aside. What was on him had to be taken off and left. Oi, hello, did we just say something this morning? What was on you, what was on him, or what is on you, when the word comes, has to come up and you have to throw it to one side and move towards the word. When when you move towards the word, God begins to see, here's the heart that wants to change and God can water the seed and cleanse the seed in that moment. And the one thing that most Christians suffer from is they are blind. Though they, can, though they see with their natural eyes, spiritually, they're blind. Because they don't see what God wants them to see. We're so caught up in the carnal world, we cannot interpret the carnal world anymore. We can't, we can't understand the spiritual world So the only world we live in is the carnal world. If we don't learn to throw the cloak off, if we don't throw his cloak off, so what's that cloak like on your mind? Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's procrastination. Maybe it's, I can't be bothered. I can't be mithered. I tried this before, it didn't work. Went down that road before, yeah, didn't actually turn out the way I wanted it. That cloak, you can wear that cloak until the day you die. In fact, they'll bury you in that cloak. They will. They'll be the garments to bury you in. Or you can cheer up. Get on your feet. Well, I've got nothing to cheer up about. See, that, that alone tells you where you're at. What have I got to be cheerful about? You don't live with the man I live with. You don't live with the woman I live with. You don't live with the kids I live You don't go to the job, work in the company I work for. You haven't got the same. No, I haven't. And I don't need to. That's your field. You chose it. You chose it. Every field will bring challenges. Every field will bring tears at some point. Every field will have its own sacrifice. And every field will have its own brambles and thorns and bushes. Every field. That's what the parable of the sowers tells us. But you must take responsibility for your seed in the field. If you're going to run the race, you must keep the seed clean and active for all times. This is the most important verse in this whole, in this whole scripture. Verse 50. Throwing aside, throwing the cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. You know what I've discovered? I've been a Christian for many, many years, but I still need to keep coming to Jesus. Even this morning I came to Jesus. Before, even in, in the worship, I'm coming to Jesus. I'm not singing, I'm coming to Jesus. Most of this morning I didn't sing, I came to Jesus. I had my own issues in my own heart and I had to come to him to talk to him about them. But in that worship, I locked in. I was focused. Love will always reverse what's been contaminated if you let it. Love will always reverse what's been contaminated if you let it. Love will always do it. Love is greater than unforgiveness. Love is greater than doubt. Love is greater than pain. The greatest of all these things is 
love. Love is greater. It reverses everything if you let it. Blind Bartimaeus discovered love changed everything. God's love towards him brought a healing upon his life. Maybe you're ready for that. I don't know. You have got to keep moving. If you want to find your destiny, a destiny that leads you to your God-purposed destination. How many yous do you see there? You're involved. You are involved. You. Do you remember, was it Lord Kitchener, your country needs? You have got to keep on moving. Blind Bartimaeus, you sat here every day. Blind Bartimaeus, I've walked past here before. I've seen you before. You're still sat in the same place. But today, Bartimaeus, you're going to move. And quickly, he jumped to his Feet. When was the last time you quickly jumped, jumped to your feet? Oh, when I get to my age, you can't, you can't, you can't. You pull your hamstring. You haven't got any hamstrings. Stop kidding yourself. Just jump to your feet. Let the word so in- encourage you that it changes your posture. Let it so encourage you. You become so mentally... Re- um, Adapt at taking this word in, taking our notes, polishing them. But yet, it never seems to get beyond the pad. You know what that pad is? I'll tell you, what, what you, I'll tell you for some of us what our pad's become. It's become the Ten Commandments. It's become the stone that carries the law. It's become your legal pad. Your pad has got to be more than just notes. My iPad is my life. Why? Not the technology. The technology is fantastic. I celebrate it. Thank God for Steve Jobs. Jobs, great word. He had a job. He found his field. He did something with his seed. He created my iPad for me. If nothing else, he can keep the iPhone. That's useless. But the iPad, this is a good piece of technology. But what it does, the reason why I value this piece of technology, is not because of Facebook, not because of FaceTime. There are benefits. But this, in it, I keep all my notes. And this speaks to me. This is, my, this is my living, breathing, mobile Bible. All that I've written, all that I've captured in seminars, all that I've, my heart has captured and learned is in that pad. And I feed myself from it. This is my mobile dinner. This is Meals on Wheels. Wherever I am, my iPad goes with me. It's my bookshelf. Everything I need is in here. Now, if this goes down, my world hasn't gone. Why? Because I've got all these files stored on other computers. It ain't taking me down. Why? Because the word's much bigger than a device. So if you lose your Bible, you've not lost your life, have you? You didn't lose Christ if you lost your Bible. True? The Lord has assigned each to his task. Let's go back. Go back. The Lord has assigned each to his task. So what's your task? What is your task? You've been given seed. You've been given a field. But what is your task? You need to put your seed to responsibility. Give it some responsibility. For we are God's fellow workers. And you are God's 
Come on, read it out with me. Who's, just stop it. Who's God's field? Who's we? Come on. So, no, I would like everyone to get engaged at this point, if you will. Let's, this is very easy. Who is God's field? Right. I am. Not us. Me. Us is a still, is a still not personal. Us is still ambiguous. I say, me, I am God's field, then I become God's field. I realise I've got two microphones on here. <laughs> Sorry, Ralph. I didn't switch one on. Man walking. That's, you're not going to shut me down. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's it. Got something to say. You're not going to shut me down. <laughs> Paul, what did Paul and Barnabas do? Let's go back a minute. Paul and Barnabas, one planted, one watered. What did God do? God made it grow. So, there's there's the power of individual responsibility seen there, and there was the power of partnership. You see, I know as a pastor that some days I will sow. Other days I will water. But God has to give the increase. And so many pastors don't realize it's God who gives the increase. So when the church grows, they think, look at me. My ministry is fantastic. You didn't grow the same. The speed it grew can be the speed it can diminish. If you grew the church, then it's your church. Jesus is not building his church anymore. You built it through your charisma. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean to say there's nobody there. It's God's fault. Why? Because I've still got responsibility with my seed. I've still got to sow, and I've still got to water. But God has to bring the results around in your life. Now, people come to say, oh, pastor, that word you spoke, fantastic. And, and that initial response by somebody who receives the word is always good to hear. But guess what? Come back to me in a month's time and say, you know that word you preached a month ago? It's actually born fruit in my life. That's what I want to hear. Rather than, oh, my Lord, I was blessed this morning. You should be blessed. That's part of the deal. But the point is, will you do anything with it? For we are God's fellow workers. We, I, God's fellow workers. We are God's field. God is working on us. And as God works in us, God, works, God wants to work in us while we're out in our field. So God wants to work out. Sorry, you've got to work out what God's working in. And as God's working things in, you're supposed to work it out in your field. The field is not the church. The only person's field is the church is mine. Everybody else, get out. Say that in love. Jesus says, get out the church. Get into the world. But don't become part of the world and don't let the world get inside you. But get out. The ministry of the fivefold ministry is to the saints. What's the saints? That's the church. To equip the saints. That's my role is the church. Your role is to find your field 
Take what's been given to you here and go and make it work out in that field. Your field is not church. Leading worship is not the field God's talking about. Serving tea and coffee and toast and it will be scrumptious. But it's not a field. It's called a ministry of helps. You know, last time I looked, there's no anointing to make toast. Do you know what I know? Because the guys who make it this morning will prove it. And I say that, it's not a spiritual work. Cleaning the church is not an anointed task. Setting the chairs out is not an anointed task. These are practical helps. And then the more we get involved, music, sound, whatever, children, now we need different gifts and abilities. Yeah? But guess what? They're not meant to stay in the church. They're meant to get out. So take children's work out. Take music out. Take everything. Get it out. Get it outside. That's where it shines. But we want a nice warm building. And there's nothing wrong with a nice warm building. And you've got a nice warm building. We went to a lot of expense to give you a warm building. But guess what? We've become so cozy in here that we don't want to go outside. But this field, you are God's field and God's giving you a field. Outside. Where do I go? It's a big, it's a big world, isn't it? Well, where do I go? Hmm, good question. Walk by the Spirit. Well, I'd rather you tell me where to go. You don't want me to tell you where to go. <laughs> You're the field. And then he says this in Proverbs. I'm glad you asked. I went past the field of the sluggard. So even the sluggard's got a field. It's called our kitchen. I've seen a few of them in there. Past the vineyard of the man who lacks... Come on, read the word, be convicted with it. Judgment. Oh, guess what was there? Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and stones. Was all in ruins. Stop there. Where's this? In somebody's field. In somebody's field, this was going on in somebody's life. Yeah? So... He did a blind Bartimaeus, verse 32, key verse, write that down in your Bible. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned. A lesson from what I saw. Why? Because I don't want to be like the lazy man. I don't want to be a sluggard. I just want to come to church and just drink coffee and tea and just drink it and sit in the cafe and just talk. That's spiritual doing that. No, it's not. That's what it is. It's called tea and coffee. So that's nice. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not the work. Because while you're drinking the tea and coffee, someone's working in there. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned. A lesson from what I saw. A little sleep. We've had a little bit of that. With the clocks going forward. A little slumber. A little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a shower of bandits. <laughs> And scarcity, like an our man say, I told you it's in the Bible. Bandits. It's a great word, that, isn't it? Bandits. Scarcity, that's it. And poverty will come on who? Me. If I don't do anything, 
with what God's given me. Now look at the person at the side and say, you better listen, he's talking about you. Now if I said to David, seriously, if I look David in the eyes and say, David, I feel the Lord is saying that if you don't do something, poverty is going to come on you. What do you think David's response should be? Do something. Do you think you should, you think you should be concerned? Initial, his initial first thing he should do is, what are you saying? Why are you saying it? Who's saying it? You are, is the Lord saying it? Right, let's just say the Lord's saying it. If the Lord's saying it, you need to do something with it. Has God not just said it? Is that not just the same thing? God just said it. The only difference is, I didn't come up in your eyes and say it. I said it from a distance. But God's saying, church, I've gone past the field of the lazy church. God is moving by his spirit. He's looking at churches. He's looking for a vineyard. And he's looking for the church who lacks judgment. He's looking for the church that's got thorns everywhere and the ground that's covered with weeds. And the stone was, was, uh, wall was in ruins. Wow. A lot of churches like that out there. But he's also looking for a church who will apply the heart to what is observed and learned. He's also looking for the church who won't have, who's not interested in a little sleep, a little slumber, the folding of the hands to rest. He wants, he does not want his church to come into poverty. God does not want his church. Phil asked us the other week, are we wealthy? Why are we wealthy? Right, if we're not wealthy then, you must be poor. I'm wealthy, this house is wealthy. But I can't say everybody in it is wealthy. I know the, the, I know the altar and the, and, and the word is clean. And, and I know the men are clean. And, I'm, and I'm, that's all I can do. That's all I can stand and say from what I know about myself and about the guys I labor with. That's all I can say. But from me to you, as the Chuckle Brothers say, from me to you, from you to me, once I've, when it's gone from me to you, it's up to you. I can't, I can't say with clear cover that he's this, he's that, she's that, she's that, because it's not my life. It's not my life. I want to be a mover and shaker. But you see, let's go to the next screen. Proverbs 31, verse 16. She's talking about the, the Proverbs 31. It's the woman. It's a different woman. It's a different animal, if you use the phrase, than the, the person we've just seen. She's a woman who considers a field. And she buys it out of her, her, her earnings, not her husband's, hers. So she's diligent in how she runs her own finance. Yeah? She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong, not a little folding. Her arms are strong. I've met these women like that. Listen, her arms are strong for whose task? Her task. Her task in this field. She knows how to work the field. She knows how to labor in the field and makes everything that God's given her work. She's taking, she's taking care of a seed. She waters the seed and she exercises and executes dominion in her field. Can you see this? She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and the grass, the spindle with her fingers. In other words, she's working. Even at night time, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. These are all different fields. Look at how many different fields she's working in. 
Look at how many fields she's working in. Yes? She has no fear of her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed, and she's clothed in fine linen, fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate. He's got a field where he takes his seat among the elders of the land, and she's called blessed. So, ladies, how many of those have we got in here? Oh, I will be one of them. Well, you've got to do something about it. It's not enough just to say, I'm a Proverbs 31 woman. You've got to do something. Learn something from this lady. She works her field. So what are you good at? I'm glad you asked, which brings me on to a question. Let this. What have you achieved? What have you achieved? Good question. Now, some of you are, let's just say, term of endearment, you're into your second age. You're past the halfway mark, that's 50. You're past, you're into your second age survival kit. You're of the 50. Right. In your 50s now, you've gone through a lot of stuff. You must, at some point now, be moving towards achievement. Now, don't say I raised children. That is a wonderful achievement, but that's not what I'm talking about in this context. Children is not an achievement in this context. Okay? So please leave your family out in this context. Okay? Let's go back. This reveals your competence. This reveals your competence. What have you achieved? Well, it shows I've got competence in some area. I'm deliberately flipping back so you don't look at the screen and you listen to me. What have you achieved? This is a very, very sobering question. I'm now 50... I forgot now. I'm coming into 56, right? And I want to achieve some things. Achievement is not a wrong word. Success 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 is not a wrong word. Fulfillment is not a carnal thing. I want to achieve some things. How many, how many wants to achieve some things? Uh, listen, my life's not over. No way, baby. I spent half my life learning things. Now, I'm in the second half. I'm going to do, what, going to do something with what I've learned. Amen? So, what is your competence? What are you good at? Answer that question today. What can you do? What do you know you're good at? Let's start there this morning. Start right there. That's the seed. That's, that's a little picture of what the seed looks like. What can I do? What am I good at? And when I say what you're good at, I don't just mean your job. Because there's more to you than your job. And your job will not always pro- pro- provide the opportunities that you're looking for. You have to have more than just your job. So what can you do? Now, when I look at Tumbi, he's at university. He's all, he's all about adventure right now. He's trying to discover what he, he's good at. He's going to experiment. He's going to play. Hopefully not too much. He's going to play. Why? Because he's at that adventurous age. True? Now, for him, we've got to believe that he's got some boundaries fitted in there quickly or he's going to be in trouble. True? But... He may not have some boundaries, but then he'll, get, he'll learn. He'll find them. But we want him to have some boundaries so that he doesn't get hurt. But he's got, he's got the next 25 years to discover. 
Okay, let's go to the next one. Very quickly, we're finishing now. What would you like to achieve? This reveals whether you still have godly desire in your old age. Is there anybody in here who's still got some godly desire? Oh, my fire's gone out. We'll get someone to blow on it. Maybe you need some, maybe it's not the blowing, maybe you need some fresh material. Let's go back. This reveals whether you still have got godly desires. God's not going to, God can't do anything if you have got no godly desire. Who's got any godly desire in here? I've got godly desire. Let me ask you another question. Are these helping you? Let's go again. What do you, what do you care deeply about? Well, I just care about my family. That's, that's, hey, that's standard. You should care about your family. I'm talking beyond your family. What do you care deeply about? What do you care deeply about? Deeply. About. The word's deeply. Not passively. Deeply about. Why? Because this reveals your passion. You know, I know people who care deeply about football. And they'll move heaven and earth to get to a football match. Heaven and earth to get to a football match. Meet loads of friends like that. Doesn't matter how much money they've got in the house, they'll always find money for another football match. So I know people who like, like the pub. They're outside the pub every night. This reveals your passion. So somewhere between your competence and your passion, there is more work needing to be done. Somewhere between your competence and your passion, there is more work needing to be done. Would you agree with that? Come on, would you agree with that? Well, if you would agree with that, then you need your field. You need a field to work in. To find out what is inside of you, you must put your responsibility to work. You know, I found out I was a good upholsterer, reupholsterer. When I first left school, I did furniture. I realized I went for the job not knowing what it was about. I thought it was about meat, poultry. Didn't know what reupholstering was all about. I went for this job. The interview, I saw them making settees. I thought, where's the cow? Where's the meat? All of a sudden, settees and furniture. And within a very short space of time, I was making furniture. And I loved it. I enjoyed it. I found I was good at it. But I had to go to work to find that out. I had to go into a field called a reupholstering to find out what reupholstering was all about. Hey. If, you, if you're good at computers, you might, need to switch, you might need to switch one on in order to find out what's in that world. Amen? So, somewhere between competence, your competence and passion, there is a work, more work needing to be done. Let's stand to our feet, please, if we will. Somewhere between competence and passion. Somewhere. I really want us to, to, to get on that voyage of discovering where that somewhere is. 
in your in that uh, framework that I've been given you about origin, deterioration, restoration, destiny leading to destination. In that zone, comp- competence and passion are core things. Because you cannot reach destiny without competence and passion. You must have a field. If you haven't got a field, you'll never ever fulfill. You might be smart, you might be competent, you might have passion, but if you don't find the right area to work in, guess what? You'll use your competence and your passion in the wrong fields. And this is what happens is at the end of your life, you'll be so high up and God will come to you and he'll do this. Tony, what are you doing on that wall? Up that ladder up there. That was your wall over here. I don't want to get to the end of my life to find out I was climbing the wrong ladder. You don't want that. You don't want that. See that wall there? Nice and plastered. But someone had to go to that one first. That one seemed in a a greater state of disrepair than that one. Now you don't see that, but now that one looks brand new. Why? Because some man, you know, I didn't get an electrician in to come and do that. Because to get an electrician in would have been the wrong field. The wrong skill. Do you get the point? So let's raise our hands if you will, please. Church, if you don't do anything with these words, then that's all they'll ever be to you is words. God has given us some seed this morning to do something with our seed. Seed, water, fields. Your race needs seed, water, fields. Your race needs seed, water, fields. There's a field of expertise God wants you to excel in. But the field on its own, my friends, is not good enough if the seed is not the right seed and if the seed is not watered. There is God's field, God's seed. And you know what? When God gives you abilities, God does not stop you from using them in other fields. But it doesn't mean to say it's God's perfect will for you. You've got to discover your gifts and abilities, whether you're using them in the right field. God does not take away your skills and abilities, even though you're having, you're having, listen to me, whether you're having success in a different field, God does not take them away from you. God lets you use your gifts and skills and abilities, and he'll let you excel in a field. But you must know the ways of your heavenly father, to know that when you step in a field, God, it's God's field who's put you, it's God who put you in that field. Universities will train you, schools will train you, other educational uh, things will change you, but you've got to know where to go and apply it, what field you need to be in. Because that's where the fruit is, that's where the competence has got to truly become wisdom. It's not just having competence, but you have the wisdom. I knew there was a time for me when God says, Tony, your field in the printing industry is coming to an end. That was a place I put you in to train you. 
But that's not your field anymore, Tony. There's another field I've prepared for you. But God, I, I, I got a lot of fulfillment. He said, that's right, Tony, because there was a time for that field. And if you stay in that field longer than you need to, son, you're not going to get the, the fruit <coughs> that I've destined you to have. But Lord, I'm competent over it. I know you're competent over there. But I want to teach you a new competence. But you know, even though my competence was over there, my passion was never in that area. And my competence and my passion must mirror. They mustn't clash. Competence and passion must complement each other. So you know where you are and you can definitely begin to affect and influence the field you're in. Some of you are going to change fields. I can see it. God by his hand is going to change you. A change is coming on some of you. Get ready. In the next six months, God is going to change the field. Why? Because it was an area. It's a time when that has now come to an end. And God is about to put you into another field. Why? Because destiny is on your life. It's not producing. There's too many thorns and thistles beginning to grow up. And God is merciful. And he's going he's to speak to you. And he's going to breathe on you. He's going to say, son, now is the time to change field. Do you hear the Lord? Can you hear the Lord? Some of you, some of you will, will lose jobs. Why? But don't see it as, 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 as a desperate, as, as, a, as a serious thing. See it as a time for God to change and redirect you. As one door closes, another one will open. You've been in that field for too long. Now God is changing the scenery. God is changing the people. God is changing the competence. God is changing the passion level. He wants us in the right field. How many of you believe it? Come on, raise those holy hands. Lord, steer me. Lord, let me hear your voice. Guide me. Into the field. I don't want to be a sluggard, Lord. I don't want to be a lazy man. I don't want to be a sluggard. Let me just talk to some of our retirees for a second. You have all the time in the world. You have competence. You have, you have areas. It's time for God to breathe on your field again and utilize you to the day call finish. Because it's not over yet. God didn't, God didn't take his hands off your life. Though work said you can only work for this long, no more. That's not God's agenda. God never said you can only work for this age and then no more. God does not retire. God does not retire. He says when it's finished, then you go home. Fulfillment is the sign of finish. Not the end of years. The end of task. The end of the task is the day called finish. Not an age thing. The Lord is saying, unfold those arms. Unfold those arms. Get ready to put your hands out because I'm about to use you. About to do things. If you allow me, if you let this word come and like, and, and like blind Bartimaeus, jump up and say, Lord, it's me. God says, I will use you in the days ahead. But let there be a cry from Bartimaeus. God, put me to work. Put me to work. 
My days are not over. Oh, Father. So I'm stretched forth your hands and I'm going to pray for your competence and your passion to guide you into the right field. Get ready. There's going to be an impartation right now. It's coming. It's not an age thing. It doesn't matter how old you are or young you are. Father, right now, from the Spirit of God, heaven almighty, Father, from heaven, I now release an anointing, the grace to combine compassion with passion so it gets utilized in its moment, in its field. Father, I pray, Father, that the winds of change will not blow the people off course. But, oh God, the winds of change will, put, will encourage people and move people into position. Let the wind of the Holy Ghost move you, my friend. Right now, Father, establish the seeds in fields, in new fields. I hear the Lord say, get out, take it outside, get out, get out, get out. You're commissioned to go, so go. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Amen.